Communion, as we continue, as we're talking about, is everybody say continue. And this morning, we'll take it at the end because I want us to begin to, to see and understand this, what, just what God has done for us and how much he has given us his very best. How many believe that God has not withhold anything from you, that he's given you his very best, being his son, who's laid his life down so that you and I could live? I'm talking about abundant life. So that we can have abundant light and, li and live. So turn in your Bibles with me. I want you to see this in Luke. Luke 22. And we, again, you know, we are a Bible-believing church. And I encourage you to bring your, your Bibles with you because we're going to take our time. I don't want you to, to come to church and say, what did he talk about? I don't know. He never opened up his Bible. We don't, we don't have that testimony here. <laughs> come on, somebody. Y'all need to help me out here. Okay. I mean, that's just not us. And so... What we want to talk about, how important it is, is and we'll see here, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says in Luke 22, in verses 14 through 15, and notice this as we read together. Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And just these two verses, I want you to listen. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover. Everybody say Passover. It's important we read that. I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Notice, before I suffer. You see, history of the Passover is this. You know from studying your Bible that Israel was slaves, come on now, in Egypt. And because they were slaves in Egypt, what simply happened in this, we know that the Lord dealt, called Moses so that he can speak to Pharaoh's heart. And there were 10 plagues that took place to the time and dealing with their captivity. And because they were captive, we understand this, that the Lord had a purpose for his people. And he told Moses, you go to Pharaoh and tell them, let my people go. And what they had to do, because you understand that the last plague is the death angel was coming into Egypt and the firstborn were going to be killed. But he said, what I'm going to do, let me say it this way, is give you a covering. I want you to take the blood and I want you to put it upon the doorposts of your homes and smear it on there. So listen, when I see the blood, come on, what happened is that that death angel is just going to pass right through. Pass over. And we begin to understand this and, and, and the purpose and, and knowing about the blood of Jesus and what it, it represents. Now then they had to take a lamb that was without spot, without wrinkle. And they had to shed that blood and put it on their doorposts. So not only that, but, but turn with me to Exodus. Let's see this together. Exodus chapter 12. So, but, but when we talk about Passover, Passover should be an ongoing. I think this is what happens sometimes, that instead of being an ongoing celebration, like we only remember it, I'm just saying like, okay, one time a month, and that's, that's okay, but it should be a lifestyle that we should continually remember what the Lord has done in our lives. Say, remember. And how he has passed over, how he has saved you. Come on, how he has raised you. They were not saying about that. How he has delivered you. Come on, somebody. Passing over. You know as well as I do, many of you may have been dead today. Listen, come on, if it had not been for the Lord. Think about your life and what you've been through. Think about your family and what y'all been through. And how God has been faithful to rescue you. How he has been faithful to keep you. We're talking about a God that saves, a God that delivers, and a God that sets free. Come on, somebody. Have you found Exodus chapter 12? Turn there with me, and I want you to look with me at verse 17. 
because it's important to see exactly the instructions that the Lord has given unto Moses and, and how that, that the Lord has a plan for our lives. Say a plan for our lives. Now it says here in verse 12, listen to this, 17, excuse me. It says this as we read together, New King James. This is important. Verse 17. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. I want you to catch a hold of that. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, I want you to highlight unleavened bread. Verse 17. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on the same day, I, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Notice, therefore, you shall observe this day throughout the generations. Listen, throughout as an everlasting, come on, ordinance. Do you see that? So if it's an everlasting ordinance, it should be all the time. Everybody say all the time. See, it shouldn't just be at one time. Now, now, when we talk about communion, it represents deliverance. Deliverance, as we know today, it delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. But thank God for communion. It connects you and I to our deliverance. Deliverance from sin. Deliverance, come on, from sickness and disease. Deliverance from poverty and lack. This is why we take communion. I think sometimes you go, oh, it's communion Sunday, and I don't want you to do that. And we shouldn't even think that way. It should have meaning, and it should have purpose in our lives. Let me give you the symbolism, if you will. Write this down, bread. We all know the symbolism of bread, hear this, hear me, is a symbol of Christ's body. We know that, isn't that right? But not only that, but that he gave his life so that you and I can live. We read that this morning out of John 10, 10. He came to give you what? Abundant life. He came to give me abundant life. But as we continue, understand this, that bread symbolizes our connectedness. Do you know that bread would be considered as one of life's most common things, a st I mean, stabilities for people eating bread and, and, and helping to support, you know, them and, and, and strengthen them and, and energize them. Bread is. Now, understand this. God wanted his son, because bread is so common, God wanted his son to be common. Now, what I mean by common, I'm not minimizing when I say common. I, what I'm saying is, is, as we all have taken bread, how many have eaten bread before? It's common. How many have eaten a hamburger before? With, with bread. Okay, I've eaten toast before. Common. Pancakes. Common. And so understand this, that Jesus becoming common among all of us mankind so that all of us can take part of Jesus being the bread of life. And so what happens is why God gave us his son and he said, I want Jesus to become common so that everyone throughout the world can partake of Jesus. Common. So he's common. But let's continue to go on and read some more information to you. But God wanted his son not just to be common, but guess what? He wanted his son to be available to all of us. He wanted his son to be available to the world. You know the scripture, say it with me, John 3, 16, come on. For God so loved the world that he gave. Come on, help me out. His only begotten son. And that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have lasting life. Wow. So here we are, the Passover meal. And, and, and this is important to understand when we talk about leaven and unleavened bread. But it was unleavened to symbolize that there's a lack of worldly influences. You see, when the bread is unleavened and there's no contamination, you see, that, and, and it's, it's a lack of worldly influences. And so when we eat, and they've eaten then, of course, unleavened bread, and, and it says here in John, uh, turn with me, in John chapter 6, I want you to see this. This is so important. 
because it's a lack of worldly influences. And Jesus said this, that I am, say, the bread of life. Say the bread of life. Now, see, because he is the bread of life, and he said to this, those who come to me, guess what? They're not going to be hungry because he is the bread of life. Do you see that? John 6, 35. And that's what we're dealing with, and we're talking about the bread. Jesus is the bread of life. So therefore, Jesus has become common. Jesus has to become common so that all of us can partake of Jesus. Do you see that? And so, what's it say in your scriptures? It says what? Jesus said what? I am the what? The bread of life. Now, let me share with you about the juice, because shortly we'll, we'll be taking our communion. The juice, or the fruit of the vine, symbolizes that Christ is the source. Everybody say source. He is the source Life and victory, come on, listen, and victory of your life. He is a source. Now, how many of ever you understand? Now, here we don't, we don't have wine. We have juice. But I want to ask you some questions, okay? How do we get the juice, listen, from the grapes? What do you have to do? Help me out. What do you got to do? Come on now. You have to do what? You have to do what? That's right. You have to. You have to I mean, you can see the grapes, but is that, is that going to get grape juice? No. You have to do what? Come on, you help me out. Said stomp, you're stomping them. You're, you're what? You're crushing them. Oh, man. Yeah. What else? Give me some more. Come on, give me some more. Apply pressure. Wow. So turn with me to, to 1 Corinthians 5, 7 through 8. This is so important. In fact, no, we'll go there later. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. So listen, you have to crush it, Isaiah 53. And then you can hold your place in 1 Corinthians 5 if you want to. But Isaiah... Let's go to Isaiah. You told me that in order for us to get juice, we have to do what to the grapes? We have to crush it. We have to smash it. Come on, somebody. Are you, are you with me? You see, now Isaiah, as we turn here together, chapter 53, the great redemption chapter, I want you to turn there, and we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 6. Come on, somebody. You already know where I'm going. You see, because the juice, listen, the wine had to be crushed. Listen to this. It says here in verse 4, surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you and I were healed. Jesus was crushed. His body, understand this, when he went to the cross, and they used a cat of nine tails. And in that leather that they had was glass and it was bones and it was metal. And when that metal wrapped around his body, it pulled the flesh off of his body, crushed, smashing his body. And what began to flow was the blood of Jesus. You begin to understand here because, you see, we know how, how juice comes from, from the grapes. But now we know how the blood of Jesus was poured out for you and I. He endured the cross even though it was full of shame. He endured it for you and I so that we would be set free. The Bible tells us that when he was beaten, it was beyond recognition. And I know sometimes we see today Hollywood portrays him as not being beaten at all in a few stripes and a few. No, that's not that's not the Bible. And, I, and I'm just saying, if, if we were there that day, totally innocent, haven't done anything wrong, but we did. And he went to the cross for you and I. 
flesh ripping every time that cat of nine tails would hit his body and they would yank it off of his body. Flesh and blood would just flow. What a sight. And this is what we should remember when we take communion, that it was the blood of Jesus that flowed for you and I. It was the blood of Jesus that took our sickness and disease. It was the blood of Jesus that healed you and I. Oh, the blood. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood. What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So what is communion? What is communion? Can I tell you this this morning? Communion declares the power of Christ's death. The power of his death. Now turn with me to 1 Corinthians 5. Communion declares the power of his death. And we begin to see how important it is for us to recognize that's why I cannot understand why some churches, and I'm not talking bad about anybody. Are you listening to my heart here? I don't understand this. Because in order to be seeker-friendly and not to, to offend anybody, we're not going to do that. We're going to relegate. If you want to take communion, we can take it in the back room. That's not going to happen here. Because what Jesus did, he didn't do it in the back room. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Before the whole world to see. And it just, it just breaks my heart to even know this. But I'm going to get off that. I, I need to just move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. If you're there, say praise the Lord. The New King James Bible says this, verse 7. If we read this together. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 through 8. Some of you are still turning. Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. Come on, somebody. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Do you see that? And then it goes on and says in verse 8, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And what he's telling us today is that unleavened bread, as we shared earlier, is bread that you begin to understand that's not contaminated. Bread that, that you know, as far as it's not had this worldly, as we would say, worldly influences. We are to be like that unleavened bread. That when people partake of us, come on, they're not taking of, of, of worldly influences. Come on, somebody. You see, they're not looking at us and saying, oh, I seen you at the club last night. Come on now. Oh, and then we can go on and on and on and on. You see, because then, guess what? That's not unleavened bread. And then we wonder why, how come we're not able to lead others to Christ? Because they look at us and say, what's the difference between you and me? You act just like me. So I guess if I'm a sinner, you must be a sinner too. Come on. And sometimes there's things that we say that come out of our mouths. They say, I say the same things you say. So what's the difference? I go the same place as you go. So what's the difference? 
And what happens that we should be as unleavened bread, that we should not allow the world to contaminate us, somebody, so that they can simply receive from our lives as we receive from Jesus. Unleavened. Unleavened. And when you go out here today, I want you to ask yourself, man, am I unleavened bread? What kind of bread am I anyways? Hmm. Just a thought. It's just a thought. But communion also declares a few other things. It's, it, it declares the sacrifice that Christ made. He made a sacrifice again. He never sinned. But you and I did. And he made that sacrifice so that we can be set free. Communion also means, and listen to this, it means having a deeper fellowship and walk with God. That's why we come to church. That's why we hang out. That's why we do life together. So when we remember on the first Sunday, we're remembering that Christ gave his life for us so that we can be free, so that you can be free, so that I can be free. Life. Everybody say life. Communion also, let me share a few other things if those who are taking notes. Communion also allows believers to examine our hearts. Wow. You know, and that's why I love it during communion time that as the minister or pastor or elder who's, who's presiding over that and, 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 and gives communion out, and you take time to just reflect. You take time to just remember. You take time to realize just how good Jesus is and what he's done in your life. But also, let me share this with you about communion, that it brings peace in our hearts because we know that we stop and we reflect and we're thankful. And if there's anything in our lives that are not right, we say, Lord, we ask you right now to take it away. Lord, I ask you right now to deal with me. Lord, I ask you right now to forgive me. Come on, somebody. And that's what we do. That's what we do. But let me share this with you as well. You and I know that when we look around the world, the world is full of brokenness. There's people that are broken almost on every hand. You can go to a restaurant. You can go to a shopping center. You can go even to church. There are broken people everywhere you go. But let me tell you how this is connected to communion. Because there's broken things that we all see every day. Like if we turned around and these, if these windows were broken, they would be what? Broken windows. You understand that? But not only that, we're talking about that's, that's just natural things and dealing with broken windows. But how about this? You know, there's, there's not only broken windows, but there's, there's broken bones. How many have ever had a broken bone before? Whew, not good. Broken windows, broken bones. How about this? Broken homes. And maybe, maybe your home has never been broken. But if you talk to someone who has come from a broken home where everything is not what it appears to be, where there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of pain, I'm talking about brokenness. Brokenness. Not only broken homes, but broken hearts. When people's hearts have been broken because of this or because of that, and then all it equates to is simply this, broken lives that our lives are simply broken. Well, we need Jesus to come and heal us. We need Jesus to come and heal the brokenhearted. This is why we come together. This is why we commune. This is why we fellowship with one another. This is why communion is so important. Turn in your Bibles with me. I'm going to give you a, a few broken things from Scripture. Turn with me to Matthew 15. Matthew 15. 
Matthew 15, verse 36, gives us a great example about a banquet. And a banquet where they were getting together, but it was a broken banquet. And I want you to see this with me as we turn together to the Gospel of Matthew 15, verse 36. Verse 36 tells us, and this is as you can see when feeding the 5,000, 4,000, beginning in verse 32, feeding the 4,000. But it goes on as we're reading together. Some pages are still turning. Verse 36, notice what it says. What did he do? He took the seven loaves and fishes and gave thanks. What did he do? He broke them. He broke them and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitude, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up the seven large baskets full of the fragments that were left. Notice, a broken banquet, and the whole purpose of that broken banquet is so that others could be fed, and so that others could be ministered to. Those who followed Jesus, they were hungry. The disciples are saying, send them away, but Jesus is saying, what do you have? And I'm saying to you this morning, what do you have? If someone was to come to you right now and they were hungry or they needed spiritual guidance, do we have something to give them? Because we should. And let me say this to you. If you're broken, then you're in the right place. Because Jesus will heal the brokenhearted. If we'll let him. If we'll let him. Well, let's look at another example. A broken building. Mark chapter 2. Let's turn over to the next gospel. Verse 4. You think all these examples, I want to show you that when things were broken, that, that, that you can see the results that life came from it. When things were broken, you can see that there's results that came from brokenness. Jesus' body was torn, battered, and bruised. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 4, it says this. Because Jesus forgives and heals. Can you say amen to that? Verse 2 says, immediately, let me start in verse 1. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Everybody say the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Verse 3, then came to him, bringing a paralytic who was what carried by four men. Do you see that? And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. Notice this. So when they had broken through, when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which he was laid. When they had broken through, so you see, now is a broken house. And the purpose of that broken house, so that the sick man could be lowered, so that Jesus could minister healing to his body brokenness oh let me give you one more can I give you one more example I want you to turn to Mark 14 oh this is just every every example ministers to me but I, I love this one because you see this is a broken box a broken box verse 4 the anointing at Bethany A broken box. So we see a broken banquet where he fed the multitudes. We see a broken building where he healed the sick. But now we have a broken box. And what takes place here? Notice verse 3. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper. 
as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flax or box of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke, say broke, she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it must have been sold for more than 300 dinar and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Can you imagine this woman? All that she has been through in her life. Can you imagine whatever you have been through? And here she comes to Jesus to honor him. Actually was preparing him for this next step as he's going, approaching the cross. But there was something in her life that she had to get straight with God. There was something in her life that she said, I am going to worship you. I'm going to pour out this costly oil. I'm going to pour this out because it means so much to me. It means my entire life. And I want to anoint you. And as she stood and kneeled at his feet, can you imagine the forgiveness of God flowing into her life? Because she gave something that was so costly and important to her. When we come to communion, we should come with a broken heart to say, Lord, if it had not been for you, where would I be? We would say, Lord, if it had not been for you, where would my family be? We would say, Lord, if it had not been for you, I wouldn't be here today. Brokenness. Everybody say brokenness.